0: Hey folks! This month's episode will be Aza and I discussing the ins and outs of planning and making Rome play space. I would just like to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters who make the show possible. Thanks to our sponsorship tier patrons Andrew Blackley, Connor Bone, Demon Boy, Deco Very, Brian C., Harry Hypnotist, and Matthew O'Mara. And I'd also like to thank our $1 tier patrons too. You all make this show possible. Thank you so much. Now, on with the interview. Oh. Hey guys, welcome to the chat. So today uh, we've got a bit of a fun topic, which is decoration of play spaces and dungeons.
1: Yep, and uh, fortunately uh, I have some experience from that and also, uh, shall we say, putting dungeons in non-conventional spaces um, at one point in my life. My husband and I were living in Brighton, Massachusetts. For those of you unfamiliar with Brighton, it is pretty much uh, close to the core of Boston. It's a <laughs> collegiate neighborhood. Everything costs a bloody fortune, and you get absolutely no square footage for your money. So I had a dungeon there that I managed to squeeze into less than 200 square feet. In fact, it was probably less than you know 150 square feet. And now that I live out in Washington and have a house... I also found a way to partition off the garage so that we still have laundry and workbenches and everything, but there is a far larger dungeon in there, and I will talk about how I designed it, but the bottom line is it's uh, possible to take unconventional larger spaces and partition them, too. So we'll talk about that.
0: Nice. 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 Yeah, I mean, your description of the American Brighton sounds a lot like the description of the English Brighton, purely because of the house prices.
1: Well, uh, in our Brighton, unfortunately, the Alston-Brighton area, Mm -hmm. every year, uh, just as there is the running of the bulls in Europe, there is the running of the college students in uh, Brighton. And in (laughs) their zeal to move out fast, they leave these huge piles of furniture, which the city has to visit. And put stickers on each of them that says "Take none of this home." It could have bed bugs all day long. It's it's madness. Watch it with ah. popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting.
0: So yeah. So like this will basically be kind of your episode because I am a poor Londoner trying to set up play spaces in a rented accommodation is a bit harder. Um, I will be talking about some of the things my friends have done. But um, for actually being able to modify to a large extent, um, you do kind of need to have a certain degree of ownership over your space. Um, But we're we're going to go through some fun ideas.
1: Well, let's let's start off with, uh, do we want to go on with like uh, talking about basic themes or do we want to kind of start off with the three dungeons I've built for myself over the years? Uh,
0: Let's start with your personal experience.
1: So the the reason I sort of like um, jumped in when you said you have to have a certain degree of ownership is two of the three places where I had a dungeon. I was a renter. And in one of them, I was a renter in an extra small apartment in a building with thin walls and next to no privacy. Mm -hmm. So that was a a fun challenge. Um, So let's start with the first one, I did, which was in Texas. I was renting an apartment with my boyfriend, who would later be my husband. And it came with a full garage. But we were living in Texas, and the only real advantage to keeping your car in a garage in Texas is it doesn't get hot. And that's not enough of an advantage to give up a full dungeon space. Yeah. So I just converted the whole of the garage into a dungeon. It had a sling with frame. Uh, St. Andrew's Cross that I had famously mm-hmm. purchased for $20 at a leather event in Dallas because wow. someone needed to buy a CD for his girlfriend. Like, will you buy this for 20 bucks? I went, twist my arm. I have a pickup truck outside. Jeez. Need to load it. it That has lasted for so many years. When I left Massachusetts uh, four years ago, I actually left it with some younger kinksters, and I said, find a place for it. I can't drag this cross-country in a three-car caravan. Oh, but, holy. um, oh, go on.
0: Well, I was going to say, at least it's great you're paying it forward and actually giving it onwards.
1: I, I tend to do that with certain things that I don't have a home for anymore that I think could benefit Kingsters. whether that's mm-hmm. leather gear that I am totally not the, the right size and shape for anymore, because I've put off a lot of weight since I was younger, to equipment. But... Um, that dungeon was, you know, pretty basic. I used an air mattress in there for mummification scenes to keep people up and going. Um, I had the St. Andrew's Cross, used that for flogging, wax play, uh, the sling, pretty obvious what we used that for. There were even a couple of places where, thanks to, you know, rails and other attachment points in the garage, I could do some overhead uh, bondage with people's arms up and in restraints. It worked pretty well. But, uh, it was a very 1.0 effort later on, uh, when I moved back to Massachusetts, uh, and was living in Brighton, those were, were kind of like the poor as the church mouse years, Mm. there was a strange little half room that was really kind of a porch someone had enclosed, um, Wasn't really fully heated or anything, and there was a window between that and our bedroom. It was the weirdest thing. It was a porch that someone had just walled in to make it extra square footage. And it was pretty narrow. But I managed to fit into there a sling, the St. Andrew's Cross, um, and, you know, a a couple of other little touches to, like, block off the windows. Mm -hmm. Um, It was shall we say um, a playroom of necessity because it wasn't necessarily themed as I would have liked because there wasn't a lot of room. But one of the great things about it is it had an exterior door. And that is something we can talk about later in the podcast. But you need to think about how people enter your dungeon, too. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Here in Washington, there's a Leatherman's potluck that's normally held monthly Uh, due to COVID. It's been suspended Mm -hmm. for a while. But they have a companion play party that they do at a date after the potluck. And that play party, there are always instructions about, yeah, we've got a dungeon, but you need to use this entrance and to be attired this way when you come in. So the neighbors don't go, oh, dear. And harsh are our fun time. Yeah. So at that place in Brighton that I had, it was off something that kind of resembled like a parking lot slash loading dock area. So guys would just come up, knock on the door, come on in, and Mm -hmm. the fun would begin. The downside to that playroom is it was not terribly soundproof, but I am not terribly heartbroken about that because it, it was, as I've said, a very collegiate neighborhood. Yeah. And people were not afraid to do things like pearl on our front doorstep after a long night of going out drinking, or famously one night Someone very drunk decided to piss against the side of our building, and I could hear every little bit of it. Oh, so God. I, I called the cops on them, and while the cops were running them off, they went, "Oh, really? Someone can hear us?" And I was so tempted to shout through the wall, "Yes, I hear you, even now." But uh, so that was like the, the necessity dungeon. And now that I'm here in Washington with a house of my own, what I did was we have a garage, but our laundry area is out there. We've got some storage for, like, yard tools and stuff. And I do 3D printing as a hobby. So I have this huge workbench with two 3D printers and a bunch of miniature paint and other stuff. I had to find a way to section off the garage and get a decent play space while still Mm -hmm. allowing for all these other activities. So what I did was I decided to go with a partially military theme and i got these large camouflage tarps like you'd throw over your boat outside or whatever and i hung them from the ceiling and created a little partitioned off room and then i got black foam diamond tread tiles and i painstakingly laid those out to the exact edges of the hanging tarps i got some yellow uh duct tape uh it's good somewhere between duct tape and, and packing tape yeah. with yellow, with yellow caution uh, stripes on mm-hmm. it, yellow and black, like you see in industrial areas. I edged all of the foam tiles with that. And then I got some camouflage netting and I hung it from the wall because for some reason there had been a mirror out in the garage on one of the walls. Don't, don't ask me, maybe for posing, someone was working out in a garage gym or something. Yeah. So I arranged the nets around that one wall, the one wall that's actually a wall and not hanging tarps so that the mirror is still visible and faces the sling. So folks can kind of look in the mirror and, you know, see themselves and everything else. That's that's got some appeal to it. Oh yeah. And then the rest of what I did for just like decorating it, I've actually made some upgrades during COVID because I haven't been able to have guests over. So if you can't have guests over to play, Next thing you need to do is think about how you can fix up the place while you're waiting. And one of the things I recently did was take black camouflage netting and put it all across just the ceiling area that is uh, encompassed by those tarps. And that helps to, like, create the illusion of more space when the lights are dim because the ceiling is now largely black with those nets. it, It feels less like you know you're looking up at the garage roof it feels more expansive and i i had to pull those extra taut using a combination of nails to anchor the edges and then i used zip ties in the middle Mm -hmm. to secure the nets to each other and get the right tension in terms of the gear that's in there i have again a sling and a frame although i upgraded to a nice heavy duty uh leather sling from mr s my previous sling was actually made of parachute material and was one of the very early products from Nast—not uh, Nasty pig uh, Fort Trough. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Forever and a day ago, uh, parachute material slings used to be big because, among other things, you can wash them in the washing machine if something gets really nasty. So that was handy. And then I also have a dog cage. Uh, that's for pup play scenes, stays mm-hmm. overnight, uh, generally in warmer weather because. It's garage, it can get colder in the winter, and we have a space heater for that. Um, I have a table that's also a chair. It's the type of table that tattooists and massage therapists use, so it's adjustable. You can adjust it so that someone's either like sitting up like completely with their head braced against a sort of a vinyl leathery pillow sort of a thing behind their head. Or you can lay it completely flat. And if you lay it completely flat, they can be face up or you can roll them around and remove the pillow. And there's like a, a hole or an opening like you would have in a massage table. They can place their face there and you can tie them, you know, face down. Uh, I got a number of Velcro straps from our local hardware place, Parkrose Hardware. So when people are in it, I just take those Velcro straps and I tension them and they can go quite tight. And because they're Velcro... They have a lot of grip. They really hold. Um, You can use other types of restraints on there, obviously. Uh, The other nice thing is that the arms detach completely from that table slash chair if you want to, which can really get stuff out of the way if you want to do, say, like a mummification scene or something. Nice. Um, Where did you get this from? So I just went to eBay. You would be stunned at the stuff you find on eBay. Mm -hmm. They have... They have, among other things, they have, like, heavy barber's chairs, the type that, like, you know, weigh 500 pounds.
0: Oh, I so badly want a barber's chair.
1: that That's where you got to look. They have mm. all kinds of deals on, you know, here's a, a medical chair. You know, it's been sanitized or it has never been used. It's to this standard. It's in this area. You pick it up here. There are all kinds of fantastic things on eBay. People forget about it these days, but it's... If you're creative and you're kinky, that is like Mm. Walmart for getting kinky stuff. And I got something else off there too, which is I got a weight rack and that weight rack I braced with some sandbags that I kind of wrapped with some black duct tape Mm -hmm. to make them look less like sandbags. And it can hold hundreds of pounds. I use that for suspension scenes. I use it for bondage where someone's arms are sort of bound upward and overhead. It's an incredibly versatile and cheap solution for suspension scenes and the best part is you don't need a winch for it i just have someone like stand up on a step yeah i buckle them into the harness i remove the step and they're floating
0: wow nice yeah i never thought of that for like repurposing a weight rack but yeah you're right they are built to carry a huge amount of weight so a human shouldn't be a problem
1: Oh, no, I've done multiple scenes with them, including some where I, I do like my my e-stem on my boys, uh, where the person was thrashing around a, a lot and exerting like a lot of, of strain on the restraints and everything else. Everything held beautifully.
0: Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, that. I mean, I've seen photos of your play space and it does look amazing.
1: It's Thank you. Yeah, it's one part art and one part science, I would say. The other thing yeah. is that it's got hue lighting, which I cannot recommend enough for your dungeon. Hue lighting or any other color-changing light system that you might use really helps set the mood. And there is – I'm sure some some security-minded bottoms would flinch at this, but there is indeed uh, – An Amazon Echo device in earshot there. So when I'm in the middle of a scene, I can also change the lighting without having to stop what I'm doing or play music to set the mood. Um, I have the Echo Show 10, which has like a huge speaker built into it. It's impressive Mm -hmm. how much sound they pump out of it. People upstairs can hear my music. And it's ideal because then you also have hands-free control of the lighting and the music for the room.
0: I mean that is pretty awesome i tend to stick because you know i work in it so i don't trust technology at all um <laughs> i tend to stick with the infrared uh remote uh led lighting which are way cheaper
1: yeah and yeah. and you know any brand will do i just happened to go with what we're using throughout the rest of the house uh i'm mm-hmm. i'm in it as well and I have smart home stuff all over the place to the point where I can start my car in the winter using the Echo device and warm it up before I go out to, to brave the winter weather. So,
0: <laughs> And I'm it, sure it was... Amazon really appreciates knowing that about
1: you. Oh, they know all kinds of crap because keep in mind, I worked for them for a very short, miserable <laughs> two months as I got to see how things work there. And I was at the facility in Cambridge, Massachusetts where the echo was born you would walk down the halls and you'd see notes that say would you like to help train this device better and years later it still can't understand a damn word that comes out of my mouth
0: no same <laughs>
1: <laughs> well let's talk about um you know it's like that old joke enough about me uh let's go talk about uh themes and other stuff yeah um
0: so let's start about why you'd want a theme and what sort of, what do we mean by a theme?
1: Well, most BDSM scenes start in the mind, right? Mm-hmm. It's about getting into a headspace. And if I'm, for example, let's, let's give a, a radical example of this. If I'm a dom and I'm trying to put a boy through his paces mm-hmm. and I'm in like a black room with maybe a cement floor, that's, you know, the beginnings of getting in the right headspace. If I take them into the same space and it's been painted pink with a Hello Kitty on the far wall, that is going to be a very different scene and I might not be able to get into headspace. That's an extreme example. But like if if you walk into your your garage and the first thing you see there is, oh God, there's that mountain of paperwork and bills I need to go and work on. And oh yeah, I've got to go fix that thing over on my workbench. You're you're not going to get into the scene. So you've got to set sort of a a mood in the space that you can work with both for yourself and for the other people you're playing with.
0: Yeah. It, and it can be so important because for a lot of, um, long-term power exchange couples that live together, um, and obviously they have like this domestic set up and, you know, regular life gets in the way that it can be a real help to them to have that sort of space where it is. No, no, in this space, I am master, you're a sub or slave Um, And when you cross that threshold into the door, these are the roles that are allowed. Yeah.
1: And, 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 Oh, I was just going to say, and
0: just having that physical, um, divide, um, really helps like ingrain a sort of Pavlovian response into, okay, now I'm in sub mode. Now I'm in Dom mode.
1: Yeah. And I'll also say this, um, for those of us who have multiple partners and uh, who often bring in new folks, it's really helpful to have an inviting space that makes subs say, hey, I'd like to come back for another session. If you're, you know, whatever space is kind of mm-hmm. lacking and you're like, well, you know, uh, here's the crawl space. You can't stand up. And now let's try and do a flogging scene folks are going to be like that wasn't really all that satisfying you couldn't swing your arm far enough and i kept knocking my head on the on the beams you've got to have an inviting space also so that you get people to want to keep doing things with you otherwise they're going to be one-offs and you know people talk they'll be like uh yeah i didn't have a great time in that dungeon it's it's actually a a one foot by one foot cube yeah whatever
0: and like let's be clear like not as i 've already stated in my case, like not everyone can build that space, so like do make allowances for people if like they're having to like just dress up their bedroom or you know work in their like living space. it's you know space for a lot of people, especially if you can't afford it, is a luxury so and there are things um, you can do to sort of temporarily dress up a space to transform it, which we'll go into later.
1: Yeah, and also keep in mind that, like everything else in life, it's, it's always easy to think that everything's on you and that you have to do everything and provide everything yourself. Well, think Borg. Big stuff gets done in groups. And what some people do in some areas is they'll find a bunch of like-minded leather folks and they'll say, hey, I have this lead on, like, this industrial workshop and it's really kind of mm-hmm. secluded. No one would bother us and no one's going to ask questions. Can we maybe set that up and then maybe share expenses on the rent for it and, you know, decorate it? You can have folks come together for that. That actually, I've seen that happen in Dallas. Sadly, um, Mm -hmm. the leather group that was hosting it made the mistake of telling the city what it was actually for. (laughs) And the city came in with all kinds of regulations to shut it down. But a lot of folks, I myself, when I was living in Massachusetts and was like, I need a play space and my current you know get up in waltham does not allow for the same stuff i had in brighton i actually started going through craigslist and going all right industrial space for rent uh what's the foot traffic like who's here at what hours of the night is it safe is it secluded enough will people hear that type of thing there are options outside your home
0: yeah i mean it's like around here you can just rent uh freestanding garages um they like they've got a bit pricey lately but like under railway arches used to be cheaper around here
1: yeah see that would be ideal because that really does set a mood especially when you you know bring some submissive or slave or what have you to like the spot under the railroad tracks that's like a a porno story writing itself right there
0: oh yeah so i mean let's talk into like what we can do by theming because sometimes it is just the generic sort of classic black where you know it's a bdsm scene so everything has to be black or gunmetal gray and you know concrete floors and it's just like that very barren intimidating
1: space yeah there's something to be said for minimalism yeah but so oh i'll let
0: you go i was gonna say like that seems to be the classic mood, but I've also seen people dress that up as a far more sort of, sort of. what they do is essentially have black, but with leather furniture, so like a leather high back chair um, or a smoking den and sort of dress it up as sort of, I don't know, like dark, high class masculine decorating is this weird way I could describe it
1: yeah and it can also be helpful to like even when it's just flat black just add a little extra touch you know like <laughs> i've seen at some of the bars you know around the country here get some white paint and find someone with at least some reasonable artistic <laughs> ability if that isn't you and you know maybe have someone do their riff on Tom of finland or something like that and put that on one wall that definitely helps set a mood too
0: oh yeah like just having art going around the place like little snippets of erotic art or um, what one gentleman does is he had a display case for his um, uh, impact play instruments. So like his canes and paddles. So it it works as storage, but it also because it's a display case actually adds decoration. Like it really helps set the mood because the sub walks in and they see this huge line of even perfectly evenly spaced instruments waiting for them
1: yeah organization sends a strong message Mm.
0: oh yeah although one thing you should be aware of if everything's painted black and all your like most bdsm gear like paddles vloggers that sort of stuff also comes in basic black so one of the pitfalls i do find is finding your shit if you're not organized about it
1: yeah and also safety Um, at that play space in Dallas, I was mentioning, I did a scene there once with, Mm -hmm. um, a local boy I knew, well, semi local, he was a trucker, he came through every so often. And it was not fully lit yet. It was still pretty dark. And I had given this boy the instruction, if anything, you know, starts to go wrong, because I'm not gonna be able to hear you Mm -hmm. or or what have you, you know, put up two fingers like this, if if I need to slow down three fingers, if you need me to stop. And I did the whole scene and it was a little dark, but I thought it went well. And then afterward, we were sort of waiting in the outdoor uh, Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, almost like yard or courtyard area. And another one of the uh, attendees at that party came up to me and said, well, that was really interesting. I've never seen someone flog all the way up to the neck, at which point my head turns toward the boy and goes, why didn't you tell me I was hitting the neck and couldn't see it in there? And he went, well, I was enjoying it, so I didn't want to say anything. (laughs) <laughs> don't don't have situations like that if you cannot see what you're doing clearly there is always the potential for tragedy and also as a dom you lose some control over safety in mm-hmm. the scene you don't have good visibility
0: and to add to that um because you said about how loud um, your speaker was earlier that's another pitfall if you're using safe words I know several people where they have played too close to a speaker in a club, and so when they use their safe word, the Dom wasn't able to hear them. So just be aware if you're having music playing to set the scene, um, what uh, volume, how close you are to the speakers, that sort of information, just stuff you can plot out beforehand.
1: Yeah, I usually, if I think there is any chance, I will not be able to hear someone, either because Mm -hmm. they're gagged or because of loud music or what have you. Uh, I usually leave, you know, their fingers usually free to move, and I Mm -hmm. give them a couple of finger signs, and I keep an eye out for those. If I see, like, a a little V, victory sign, that means, okay, I'm going too hard. And if I see three fingers, that's when I know, okay, uh, we stop now, we remove the gag, and we ask what this person needs immediately.
0: Yeah, Uh, that is something to just always keep in mind when designing a space. Um, Yeah, and uh, see, I kind of like to see a bit more color than basic black. Um, I know a lot of guys go for either midnight green or midnight blue because it's close enough to keep the um, feel, but it's just something a bit different than black, black, black on black.
1: Yeah, mine is black, yellow, green, uh, for the Mm -hmm. most part. Um, I've tried my best to conceal the ceiling to sort of get that that white out of the mix, as I discussed. But that works pretty well. Um, The dungeon is kind of one part uh, industrial, one part military. Because the black foam I put down, Mm -hmm. you can get this off Amazon or eBay or wherever. It actually has a diamond tread pattern to it, and since it's in the garage... It's it sort of, and it has that caution tape. It's sort of a nice fusion of those two themes.
0: Nice. So, what was it that made you want to choose like an army camo
1: theme? So, I'm actually up here in Vancouver, Washington, which is a pretty rednecky town, wow. and you will see camouflage everywhere. Like, it is, we have a pink woodland camo collar for our dog. <laughs> it's that common. Um, it's, it's just how American rednecky culture is. And when I was going around looking for inspiration for the dungeon, I went to a local chain called Park Rose Hardware which is kind of, it's not a mom and pop hardware shop, but it's not a, a, a big chain like home Depot. It's, it's yeah. small to me. And I browsed around because they have some great stuff in there. Like one time I went in there, I'm sorry. I didn't snap one up when I had the chance. They had even am- empty ammunition cans on sale. They're like, you know, here feel free to buy these and put whatever you want in them and i thought that would go so well with the dungeon Mm -hmm. but the original inspiration was i looked through their tarps because i was going to section off that area and i'm like black here's silver hey green camo this starts to inspire me and give me some ideas for some other things i might put down and then when i was putting down the foam matting i was like "I i feel like this is not bounded i feel like a you could accidentally step off the edge which You know, It's not a huge drop. It's less than an inch, but it could cause you to stumble. And B, it it just sort of blends into the edge of the tarps after I've hung them. So that's when I got the idea to put the tape. It was more along the lines of, I started off with a couple of interesting objects or touches. And then I just started building around those. And then the theme just sort Mm -hmm. of comes together organically.
0: Nice. Because I know like some people like to really go in on military play. So I didn't know if that's what you was trying to go for. But it's more just like you found an item and you wanted to sort of build around the ideas it gave you.
1: Uh, well, I'd be lying if I said I didn't have a sweet tooth for military boys. Um, <laughs> and that a couple have been through there. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, whenever I talk to my friends in the military about like uniform play and other stuff, they're like, you've got to understand. That's like my work clothes. So I know yeah. that it turns you on, but I'm like, I'm home now. I'm just going to put on <laughs> some jeans or take everything off. I don't want to wear my work clothes. Yeah, that that's
0: understandable. It's only sexy if you don't do it as a job.
1: Exactly, yeah. exactly. Then it's just like, oh, I feel like I never went. Yeah. And uh,
0: like, yeah, just to go back to the idea of just finding an idea, that's what a lot of home decorators do, like who do it professionally, is they just start with one or two objects and go, okay, we are going to use the color scheme, the ideas, the shapes from this one object to sort of build the whole room around.
1: And designing yeah, and
0: a sex play space is no different.
1: Yeah, that's, that's exactly how I work. Not just in the playroom, but around the house when I'm, you know, decorating mm. stuff. So, you know, in a weird way... Your regular, you know, design skills that you might be using for the rest of your house do come into play. You just have to be willing to let it go to a kinky place. Like, this is getting ahead of some of um, what I was going to discuss. But um, if you're going for, like, a medical theme in your dungeon, and you're like, well, where am I going to get? Medical equipment can be expensive. It's It's not just eBay that has a whole bunch of interesting medical stuff. I actually went to, of all places, Ikea. And I found they had like a little metal rolling tray with like perforations for, you know, I guess drainage or airflow or whatever. And I looked at it and I went, if I didn't know any better, I would think that this was like, you know, a little rolling hospital card. It's very silvery. It's very institutional.
0: I can already picture what it is. It's like the thing that all the instruments like the specular and all that sort of stuff are laid out on and the nurse rolls it out. I know exactly what you mean.
1: Exactly. So this was kind of like the consumer Ikea version of it. And I actually wound up buying one and it's been great. I mostly use that for like lubes and latex gloves and other stuff. And when someone comes out who has like a medical fetish, I tend to roll that tray over and I, you know, put on the nitrile gloves mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, I make sure they're black nitrile gloves to, to keep the theme going. And we proceed from there.
0: Nice. Yeah, because, like, going back to... Because one of the things we've got listed here is leather and wood. And, like, I know some people that, to go back to my earlier example, use... They built it around, like, a le- red leather high-back chair. Um, yeah. And it is that sort of thing of forbidden forbidding study-slash-smoking room. Because they're very much into their cigar play. And so they took this as a sort of thing, and they was like, okay, my... I'm very much into my cigar play, so my play space will basically be themed around, like, a smoking club.
1: Which is a great idea. Mm. That's actually the first time I've ever actually heard of, like, a, a smoking lounge-themed dungeon, but it makes yeah. sense.
0: So, yeah, it was all, like, sort of leather and, like, dark ebony wood and, like, hunter green paint. And yeah, just sort of and- gave, like, that very sort of refined... Um, upper class dominance feel to it
1: and I, i take it that the hunter green paint is meant to sort of evoke the hunter green hanky for for dad play yes uh
0: well it's actually more so green like especially green leather um like in the 1800s to 1900s was very much um a symbol of um uh wealth because it's hard to get it right. And you often saw banks furnishing everything with, like, green leather. And hmm. so that sort of carried over into the popular consciousness of, like, older institutions. i I'm, mean, I'm talking England. Like, older institutions tend to be cloaked in green.
1: Yeah, around that period in America it would be very variable depending on where you were in the country Mm -hmm. Um, obviously we have a lot of different climates so the the aesthetic in California around the 1800s is quite different from say you know back home in Boston in the 1800s so I, I think there's when it comes to evoking nostalgia that far back, people tend to go Hollywood with it, where it's not very realistic at all. They might, like, go old Western and whatever. And yeah. some people do get off on, on you know, rope me and ride me scenes. But I haven't really seen a lot done with that. Hey.
0: But, yeah, it, it can be good. Like, especially, like, because you can do a lot with, like, just antique shop stuff. If you're going for, the, like, the whole um, wooden look. Like, oh, yeah. I, I know some people, um, they use a vintage traveling case. So like a sort of old Victorian traveling case, which is like really sturdy. Um, and it's that sort of, again, black, dark material and wood. And it goes in really well just as like a table for them to put stuff on.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I yeah. uh, I tend to be the type of person who will look through stuff that, is not necessarily intended for its use, Mm -hmm. but definitely sets a mood. Like, the dog cage I have, that is not, like, an expensive, you know, $1,000 or more welded steel cage. That's literally a dog cage I bought online for large breeds, like what you'd put your oversized mastiff in. And it is the perfect size for human pups and for other people who are being you know sort of kenneled or caged for a period of time and it's not that ruinously expensive like having welded steel.
0: yeah like uh i know someone again this is getting into like building a temporary play space in like rented accommodation he had a collapsible dog
1: cage of that size mine's collapsible too
0: yeah and he just kept it under his bed until it was needed at which point he could set it up in the center of the room and have it as sort of like the centerpiece of the play space when he was doing pup play with people.
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's a great way to go, and it's great for if you want to set like a puppy kennel theme because mm. there there are all kinds of themes. We've talked about the classic black, and we've talked a bit about the army. Um, we've talked a bit about leather and wood, but um, you know I'm I'm going to jump forward in our our sort of show yeah. notes here a little bit kennel i have seen people do some really creative stuff like if you are for example going to be doing water sports in your playroom you should probably make sure you have pretty good drainage and ventilation because you do not want things to accumulate in your home that will uh you know you don't want people upstairs to be sniffing and going huh is there a a break in your toilet line or something (laughs) no no no. but um if you have that type of drainage it's not just a bathtub you can set up there Some people set up hydrants and they're like, you're a pup. You're going to piss against the hydrant. And that is, that is that, that is how you relieve yourself during the scene. And there's drainage Um, works better in larger spaces to be sure with a drain that were meant for like being hosed down or whatever. But some people are fortunate enough to have drainage in their garages and stuff.
0: Nice. I can see that. Like I know people tend to go for like the giant novelty dog houses yeah um,
1: I, I oh and go, that, that
0: kind of plays into are you playing a dog or are you playing a puppy because it, it does i've noticed there's like an increasing divide of people saying i don't do pup play i do dog play
1: it's there's always been a divide first it was furry versus non-furry then it's like are you a cartoony dog or a more realistic dog you know, are you allowed to, like, walk on two feet and be sort of an anthropomorphic dog? Or are we going for you have to stay on all fours? Pup play has always been a very interesting multi-axis continuum in that regard. But I know what you mean. I've seen people in those giant oversized dog houses, and all I can think about every time I see them is Snoopy. And so it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't work for me. <laughs> for some people, it does.
0: Yeah. So... One of the ones we've got next on the list is medical. Now, again, this can to into buying a central thing of if you get like in a medical exam table or something, you can use that to build the whole scene around. So what? how would you go about trying to make a space feel medical?
1: So at this point, let's differentiate between two big types of medical play. Mm-hmm. There's the sort of physician or exam or involuntary procedure type, the type mm-hmm. where... Something is being done more physically. And then there's the asylum scene, which is usually getting someone in a straitjacket, jacket, uh, possibly some sort of a sendep hood, but at the very least uh, a gag. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, depending on what you're into, you might either couple that with diapers or you might just couple that with chastity or do something. And the main intent of the scene is to set an extended headspace and sensation. So I know a couple of guys who are really into their asylum play, um, one of whom is now local and has moved into the area, but I haven't been able to meet with them in person Mm -hmm. since COVID began. But the key thing is if you're going to do a dungeon like that, there are two things to keep in mind. Number one is that a lot of people who are into those scenes actually have a preference for canvas over leather or latex. They want the actual sensation of like, this is a canvas straitjacket. This is a A canvas this, canvas that. I myself just ordered for my, you know, dungeon supplies. I got a canvas posture collar that also braces the jaw a little bit to sort of reduce the motion in the mouth. Um, It was on sale and I had to have it. So that's one thing to keep in mind. The other thing is padding. People who are in those scenes, if they are not, like, suspended or in some other way super restrained. There are some people who like, you know, the Sega Fix which is another thing you might find in an asylum dungeon, something that restrains them from moving, like, 100%. -hmm. Um, If they're not in that, they do tend to like to thrash around, roll around, struggle. The struggle is part of the fun for them, and that is why padding's important. It can be super expensive to pad a room, but that padded room aesthetic, however you choose to invoke it, is usually core... To the asylum scene and I have some people seen some people who have set up these just brilliant cell rooms that are just like white padding in their homes or other spaces they had access to with like a door with like a little window and I'm I'm always impressed by that because it's super simple but it's Mm -hmm. incredibly costly and it sends a very powerful message in a scene like you walk away from that window whoever's in there. It's it's going to feel, for all the world, like they really are in that sort of confining asylum situation. If you're doing the physical and medical exam thing, keep in mind you're probably going to want your space to seem somewhat austere and medical and mm-hmm. clinical and sanitary. You're probably not going to want it to be super, you know, cluttered with stuff unless you're doing some kind of a Eli Roth-type medical setting scene. Yeah. Uh, please, please keep it to the sane side of Eli, <laughs> please. Um, So that means, you know, you probably want something like a gurney. Mm -hmm. You probably want, you know, metal trays like we discussed. Um, You know, even if you just have like tanks that are empty, that look like they could be anesthetic tanks or gas tanks or whatever, even that just in the Mm. room sets a move. Think about... I know for walls,
0: it tends to be, especially if you're going back for the more like classical sort of 50s, style medical scene like white tiles or that sort of very pale green
1: yeah exactly it it make it look like a hospital and and that is what really gets people in many of those scenes who are into them you know running is the feeling Mm -hmm. of actually being in the doctor's office and losing some degree of control Mm -hmm. maybe even you know some people really get off i know there was one guy i i i was playing around with who really liked it when i would give him like a digital exam with like a nitrile glove with very little ceremony he was he was really into that because he felt it was very sort of humiliating and a, a hot violation as opposed to an unwanted violation
0: i mean doctor scenes and medical scenes is something i'd like to dig into for an episode on its own because i think there's a lot there to look into
1: there are indeed a lot and there are a lot of types too it's it's the type of thing where we could do one on you know canvas asylum restraints and all of that and we could easily do another one on you know more clinical stuff catheterization all of that
0: oh yeah it's like i've got a friend who's very into his rubber but he wants a rubber asylum so rubber padded walls which again is even more expensive but it would be awesome if he could achieve that.
1: I, I don't suppose this person is by any chance also located in Washington State, closer to Seattle.
0: Uh, no, no, he's British.
1: Okay, then he is the second person I have heard of with that fetish, because there is someone up in the Seattle area who is also into that. Idea. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I can I can see how that'd be hot. Um, I, it's just the scientific part of my brain is like, how do you clean, condition and preserve that much rubber on the walls? all the time
0: oh yeah you'd probably have to like go for vinyl instead or something because it is like latex is not uh easy material to keep in large quantities
1: no kidding can you imagine vivashining all the walls that's mm-hmm. like probably a punishment in hell for people <laughs> who are bad bottoms like you have to shine this entire institution end to end and it will get cloudy and and mucky and dirty as you go you know Enjoy. that would
0: probably turn him on seriously I'll have to pass on that idea to him.
1: (laughs) And that is how a novel was born. Inspired (laughs) painters for generations to come. (laughs) All right. uh, Let's go on to our next one. Industrial is in there. Um, Mm -hmm. Industrial is kind of near and dear to my heart. I have to admit. I tend to like my dungeons with at least some industrial elements um admittedly my current one is more sort of on the military end but it has just enough industrial to scratch that itch um the one thing is about industrial play spaces if you are using something that was actually industrial or used for manufacturing work or what have you please for the love of all that's holy before you set up housekeeping there check for sharp stuff check for unsafe stuff know what chemicals were used in there what's the drainage like where does it go figure out all of that (laughs) also as hot as it is and i have seen this in porno films to have suspension scenes where there is a winch and someone is lifted way high off the floor like 12 to 24 feet off the floor dear god resist this impulse unless you have like a stuntman mad under there because one slip up on that system and it's going to be an ambulance or worse yeah so.
0: don't forget porn is that thing porn films have a production budget behind them and a production crew to check safety and to handle this sort of thing uh, yeah don't try and replicate that in real life
1: Yeah, you you never know what's off camera. The camera pans up and you see the person, like, suspended way, way high up off the floor. What you may very well not be seeing off the edge of the camera below them is a giant stuntman class, like, airbag. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so, like, I know a popular material is sort of, uh, what's it called? Uh, Assemblable scaffolding.
1: yes Yes. you know i've always been interested in this and um that trucker friend of mine i mentioned uh that i played Mm. with the one who could have given me a safe word and didn't um he actually had mentioned he had some designs somewhere for some very interesting scaffolding arrangements that could be put together in the dungeon or restraint and all sorts of situations we never got to construct it but i have played around um with piping for things like uh, my 3d printers i built my Uh enclosures for them out of pvc pipe and some other stuff being able to join things together into different configurations once you get the measurements down if you do that with like metal piping you can come up with some really interesting stuff it's uh, it's like very adult legos
0: oh yeah a lot of people in london i know use that again because you can have it freestanding So you can have it in um, spaces you don't own, um, but you can also configure it. You can get um, the piping with eyelets. A lot of people use it for bondage.
1: Yeah, it's it's a great... It's
0: really good as a bondage frame.
1: Yeah, it's a really good um, reasonable cost. I'm not going to say low cost because it depends on how much you're Mm. building and what you're building. But it's a reasonable cost uh, way to set up something for more elaborate bondage. Um, And it has other great properties, too. Like, you can, like, insert, you know, wooden rods through it and put people in interesting bondage situations based on where they can and can't get the rod to go when they're bound to it. Um, Use it to restrain movement so they can't, like, move out of certain positions without, you know, bumping up against that rod to hold them into a certain range within Mm -hmm. those frames. It depends on how you set it up.
0: Yeah uh let's see what else do we have so industrial like i mean obviously you can get empty barrels for it for like just plain scene decoration i know a lot of people go in for like their sort of because it goes quite well with like the gas mask look and sort of rubber itself is quite industrial so i know a lot of rubber men that go for the industrial look
1: yeah it those two pair super well Mm -hmm. if you're into drone play or any of that other stuff the industrial look is good for you Possibly also the sci-fi look. This is mm-hmm. this is more rare, but it does pair very, 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 very well with latex and rubber. And I've actually seen some porno films where they did these great sets that frankly put Star Trek in the 1980s to shame. But if you go for that sort of sci-fi look, um, you know, futuristic looking furniture and stuff, that requires a lot more creativity. But in the era of the 3D printer, you can crank off little chunks of stuff and attach them to other things and make them seem far more sci-fi, just by making little embellishments. Um, if you if you're a carpenter of any sort or have a background in carpentry, obviously you can do a lot of terrific things mm-hmm. with creating beds and stuff. Um, I've seen people try to add like in, in some of these movies, like under bed lighting where, like, there's UV light. Oh, the LED strips, yeah. Yeah, LED strips or something that looks, um, you know, more in the blue light range. If They're, like, using, um, you know, some color-changing system. You can do all kinds of stuff, but it really does demand a a larger, more versatile space than a lot of people have access to, but Mm -hmm. it's great when they can achieve it.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, I know, like, for from a lot of older movies, like um, just get a sine wave monitor. So they're little things yeah. that, and it, you know, you get that green up and down thing, which, you know, just classic sci-fi dressing.
1: Or, you know, if you're going for more new school sci-fi, L, uh, basically LED TVs, they're not really LCD much anymore. They yeah. tend to be OLED or something else. They're dirt cheap <laughs> and you can mount them on a wall and you can have anything you want playing on there. And what uh what you could try to do as well, but I don't know how much effort people want to put into it, is what folks do on a lot of modern sci-fi shows these days. I think they do this a bit on Star mm-hmm. Trek Discovery and elsewhere, is they'll take one of those screens and they'll like build like a fake console around the outside of it and make it look like it's one of those touch screens on a sci-fi show. Yeah. So Depending on how you arrange it, you can create, like, you know, a little play-acting terminal. And, uh, you know, I was actually listening to a couple of the actors talk about the experience of being at those recently. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they come up with their own little patterns and their own little, you know, things to match the animations on the screen. You can do that to set the mood for the scene. Um, It's a lot lot more mental and fantasy play, but that's good stuff, too.
0: Oh, I mean you can just use real touch screens i know a friend who um basically built a stand for a cheap but large tablet it's like one of those 150 pound tablets
1: and oh, they pretty much yeah.
0: use it exclusively for um bluetooth enabled um toys oh
2: and so like, it's love just it.
0: like he plays either sort of the abducting alien or mad scientist and it's just the guy strapped to the table and he's like well, I'm at my console. I'm like activating the vibrator. I'm activating the masturbator. I'm da da da, and it's just like like a stand that he's put the tablet on, so the tablet looks like futuristic touchscreen, um, sort of
1: workstation. That is fantastic. I actually uh, did something recently. It's I guess you could consider it a sci-fi embellishment. Mm-hmm. Um, so that uh sort of massage slash tattoo table Mm -hmm. slash chair that I use, I actually, during the pandemic, I've been experimenting with things like finding a way to get a swing arm that I could mount a uh, Lovent's remote control masturbator to Mm -hmm. and a Hitachi Magic Wand. And I found out by combining a swing arm microphone kit with a floor stand for a swing arm, I was actually able to come up with something that can be positioned fairly well and stays reasonably in the same spot if you apply it to someone. And uh, I even tried the magic wand on myself on that thing to see if I could get off hands-free. Spoiler <laughs> alert, I, I definitely could with just letting it hold it in mm-hmm. place, so it passed that test. And then on the other side, I got a floor-mounted tablet stand so that if someone is, say, bound down and being forcibly you know, milked or stimulated... I can put something on there and you know, I could go with sort of the brainwashing sort of thing mm. and put something on there to, to get them into a relaxed susceptible state or porno if I just want to get them wound up or any number of things. So I kind of like those two additions and I'm looking forward to uh, sort of christening them soon.
0: Nice. I think it really is good. I mean, you've just given me some ideas cause I've got some old um, microphone arms from my last podcast set up. So I may be able to upcycle them for something.
1: The one thing I'd recommend is always tighten the joints on those oh, yeah. that they will hold. And I had to figure out, in some cases, how to mount some of these things onto the arms. And I found there were these interesting pipe clamps that had an end I could kind of mate up mm-hmm. with the microphone holder. And that, that worked like gangbusters. It can... It can hold up like a full Lovence Max 2 With barely any movement at all So that's that's a good sign Right there on weight and so on
0: Nice So Next we have Locker rooms
1: This is a popular one with a friend Of mine hmm. And uh, what What he does and what a lot Of us do is again eBay, eBay's your friend People will sell like used gym lockers or new gym lockers that you can purchase. And that is a great scene setter, especially if you, you know, do sort of like a a coach athlete thing where you have someone come in in athletic gear, play with them a while. And then it's like stash your gear in the locker and we're going to take you to the showers. And
0: Um, I also know a lot of people into like what they call bully play. Um, literally is where the Dom will shove them in a locker and leave them there for a bit.
1: That that can work. Also, if you can get benches, those are <laughs> fantastic for tying people to and, and doing stuff to. Um, and that does get sort of into that bullying thing.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: I, I imagine like a locker room may be one of the easiest spaces to set up because everyone knows what a locker room looks like and the equipment for it is fairly straightforwardly available if you know where to look
1: yeah there's just one thing and that is the shower aspect now i have known someone with more money than you can pretty much guess and he once in one of his homes paid for like a giant like shower with like the shower heads locker room style mm-hmm. i think planning to have a whole bunch of people over for that that is not often in people's reach. But if you have some sort of like bathroom facility with a shower or two, that can help a lot with setting the tone too.
0: Yeah. It's like, it's just sort of, I imagine this may work because I know some garages have um, sort of a built in drainage setup. Um so yeah just piping in like through a uh, self-standing electric shower pump might be able to work for that.
1: Yeah, I mean there are options. There are, there are ways you can create that sort of locker room illusion. And uh like you said, there's there's all kinds of equipment out there. It is not hard to find a whole bunch of used lockers that people are trying to get rid of and if they're used they also tend to have some of that you know musky gym smell that folks love so much
0: yeah keep the jock straps and used socks in a wash bin there and that'll help create the atmosphere
1: oh yeah (laughs) and then i guess the last one we have on our list is playpen
0: which is basically so at the start you mentioned like painting it pink with hello kitty on the walls this is sort of specifically for people in a mindset for adult baby and diaper lovers. Um, I know a lot of them very much go for having an actual like crash or playroom theme to their play space.
1: Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's setting a completely different type of mood and this is one of the few types of play where just having like an average everyday room can benefit because the yeah. more like a, a mundane baby's room it looks like the more it sort of plays into the scene and the mindset because you know adult baby play is one of those things that benefits from being more grounded in real world stuff as opposed to fantasy situations
0: yeah yes yeah, so wow we have spent almost an hour on theming <laughs> This this needs to be a two part. It's
1: I, not think a so. part.
0: I think so. I think so. Cool. So let's talk about layout.
1: So for suspension scenes, <clears throat> uh, we can talk about sort of what's required for the layout in those. And I will say that what benefits you there is number one, you need to know how much weight you can put on whatever you're using for the suspension scene. If you're doing Mm -hmm. this from the ceiling, you better be damn sure that you are screwed into beams up there and that they can bear the weight. Um, If you do not, bad things happen, like really bad things. Uh, I had a scene once when I was living in Texas. (laughs) My boyfriend at the time was like, I really want to go into your sling. And I was living in Frisco, Texas in a small apartment. I just had one room for play and I had put some eye bolts into the ceiling For those of you unfamiliar with Texas construction, it's, I think, largely assembled by wasps who just chew up trees and extrude paper because it's really (laughs) flimsy. And I knew it could take about 200 to 250 pounds. My boyfriend at the time was 300. Right. And I said, said, I'm not so sure this is a good idea. He went, I really want to do it. I went, I don't know that this is a good idea. And I let him talk me into it. And that has been my lesson from that day to this about not letting enthusiastic bottoms talk me into things.
0: Yes, because
1: yes. He got into it. We were going. I was fucking him. I was. I was like, I guess it can hold three hundred pounds. And then there was the horrible moment where one of the straps pulled free of the ceiling, took the eye bolt with it. The eye bolt whipped around and slashed me across the hand. It unceremoniously deposited my boyfriend onto the floor, yanking my dick out of him at high speed. Oh. Uh, And then he hit the floor and injured his hand, at which point we went over to the nearest hospital in the ER, and they x-rayed his hand, and they went, you look fine. Well, that's the other thing they don't have in Texas is good medical care, because it turns out he had a tiny little bone chip that detached, and it, it fortunately sort of back and reattached itself because it was such a small chip Mm -hmm. but i I, from that day to this i'm like that is what happened in a mild circumstance of pushing the limits be careful you can get hurt on this ride
0: yeah i mean one of the things is if you're putting um joints into sort of like wooden beams um rot is a thing so it's not just enough to check it when you put it in you must constantly recheck that it's still um working it's still fine And put cushioning down just in case. Like you can get foam mats. You can get play mats. um, You can get tiled um, foam tiles. I know a lot of puppies get them for like when they're on all fours for a long time. Um, Yeah, just make sure you're prepared for this stuff.
1: Yeah, and if you have any doubts about the ceiling, and you should, no matter where you are, you should always have doubts, um, go with a weight rack with a suspension mm-hmm. setup that's pretty standing there are ways to get people hanging without putting them in the ceiling there are like zero beams that i can find in the ceiling where my dungeon is to put in reasonable eyeball so that's part of why i have the weight rack and it works just fine people don't need to be like 17 feet in the air to get the sensation of what a suspension scene is like. I just suspend people. And if they're tall enough that their feet might touch, I just get them to sort of bend their knees into a kneeling position. And I tie their ankles mm-hmm. upward using restraints. And then they can't put their feet down.
0: Yeah. And um, yeah, like you said, the weight rack we've already covered, you can get freestanding scaffolding, which will do the same job. Cause that's also built to carry human weight and a lot heavier stuff.
1: Yeah. And if you need a winch and you might, Make sure you get a good winch. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to make sure it's going to hold. It's going to lift people up safely and evenly. And you want to make sure you can release it properly, too, at the right rate. Um, so just shop around. I think Mr. S actually used to sell a winch at one point. But at the same time, this is probably something you can find in any hardware shop.
0: Yeah, most like hardware shops or uh, that sort of tool shops, you could probably find a winch.
1: Oh, yes.
2: hmm
0: uh,
1: uh, I'll let you go first
0: I was going to say um, next would be space concerns so yes. obviously flogging whipping re- needs um, a good clearance space
1: it does it, it, and you need if you're doing whipping you're going to need a lot more clearance space mm-hmm. as as any good whipping person will tell you and I've had a few tell me Um Really, the arc of a whip is just that. It defines an arc, or if you keep going, it starts to define a circle. And it takes a lot of room to do that. If you you don't just take a whip and just like snap it straight out and back, because that's a good way to basically get snapped back in the face with something that could injure your eye or anything else. You, you've got to like you've got to have enough for a nice smooth arc. And if you're doing flogging, you know it's not quite as long as a bull whip, but you do need enough room to you know move your arm, get a good swing. You need to be able to like take a few steps back and get some range. So there there are activities that require more space than others.
0: Yeah. And it's sort of like, as you're saying, like, um, your play space in Brighton, one of the things you said about it is it was a very long and narrow one.
1: It, it was, and it was incredibly cramped. I do not know how I did flogging scenes in there. I do recall I was right all the way up against the exterior wall, and mm-hmm. the bottom was right up against the opposing wall, and I just barely had enough room to kind of do it. <laughs> but my current playroom, I have you know the right amount of room to swing properly. I do like to do wax scenes and then whip the wax off of people, or rather flog the wax off people, not whip. And that that is something that is way easier to accomplish where I am now than when I was in that. So, yeah.
0: Um, and I think one of the last things to think of when we're talking about layout is um, planning around where your power outlets are. Cause I think this yeah. is an, un, un, something not a lot of people think of.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's been tough for me because there aren't really any close, close, to my play space and yet i love to do east in play and if you've got like for example a violet wand it's going to be going into an outlet so i had to get creative with like extension cords um the previous occupants had these rather dodgy outlet converters that could be screwed into light bulb um sockets oh i want yeah, I, I want to say you should not attach anything to that with any sort of power draw, mm-hmm. even even approximating a, a source box. So um, I wound up attaching like a small Wi-Fi repeater in there just so I could have proper Internet coverage for when I'm using Internet gizmos in the mm-hmm. dungeon. But for the most part, I have to run like a, a thick orange, like industrial type extension cord from somewhere in the dungeon to somewhere else. Um Keep that in mind. It's not just a matter of how close is the outlet. It's also, what type of circuit is this on? Uh, What's the maximum draw? Uh, Am I going to blow up anything if I put in, say, these non-conventional little, you know, light bulb extenders with sockets on them? Be very careful. As always, electricity and e-stem play, they do require a little bit of electrical knowledge and a little bit of science acumen. Um, it's, it's, It's not just, you know, plug it in and zap so uh be aware of that
0: yeah and as i think we said many times in this uh podcast no e in the sockets like get yourself battery powered only you don't want to be hooking your partner or your sub up to the mains
1: no there are there are some boxes that are designed to do this like mm-hmm. e systems claims to do it quite safely i will admit I have not done that with my e systems. Two B, I run off of nine volts. Um, I do have a violet wand. Violet wands are kind of a different matter when you're plugging them in. Yeah. Keep in mind that violet wands are static; they're they're snappy, and they don't go as deep as like the sort of inductive e-play that you get with um, a two B system, where you're you're going into the the deep tissues. Nice.
0: Um, So next topic, cleaning, which, you know, is not the fun stuff, but it's stuff you have to do if you're running a space.
1: Yeah. So here's the thing. Antimicrobial is a must. Mm -hmm. You know, it it is absolutely. Because if you don't, that is going to accumulate over time it's not just like when you're cleaning your person or cleaning a toy that's periodically used there are corners of your dungeon that, if you're not attending to them might not get cleaned for years and that's really not great so even during this pandemic for example no one's been going in and out of there i've got someone at home with an autoimmune disorder we can't do that but i still clean the playroom because dust builds up and other stuff and I've gone through there and made sure that things are being kept sanitary for the next time they're used and safe. Um, and that's why I would definitely say, look at, like, um, for the mats, maybe n back or some other antibacterial spray, something to treat mm-hmm. that. Um, you're going to want for your toys, you're going to want to use Swiss Navy toy cleaner or something. Um, you're going to want to definitely make sure that you wipe down the sling after you use it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of and the house rules here is if I play with you, the boys have to clean after we're done. But anyways, you are saying?
0: I was going to say, like, uh, like stuff like slings, it's just good to know. Remember, leather is a porous material. Um, so it will absorb any liquid on it. So maybe don't, as nice as a leather sling sounds, and they are quite popular for being like a leather item, go for a wipe down material instead and this is also like especially if you're working in a converted garage for your play space garages aren't insulated the way like the living space in your house is they are drafty mold builds up damp builds up and you need to keep that in um, mind when buying stuff for these spaces
1: yeah and one of the ways i've sort of countered that is um Some people aren't as comfortable doing this with their garages, but obviously we don't have any cars in and out of there. I got a spray foam Mm -hmm. with insecticidal properties, and I sprayed it in all along the bottom of the garage door seam to seal it in better and to keep out as much moisture as possible. Obviously, things are elevated off the floor on the foam mats, and there's also the tarps, which I tucked underneath the uh, foam mats that keeps away water. And so that actually keeps it remarkably dry in there, like astoundingly, especially given I live in the Pacific Northwest. And even as I speak, we're having one of our famous winter rainy days. But the temperature isn't kept constant there. I couldn't completely seal the garage all the way around without Mm -hmm. like really getting foam into some things that are necessary. So there is a draft and we have to use a space heater in there. But I also go in there periodically. We keep just in case we keep little spider and insect traps in discreet corners so that if something tries to scuttle in last thing you want is like someone in like a dog cage in your garage dungeon and then yeah. there's like a hobo spider crawling across the floor oh Jesus christ
0: yeah oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. arachnophobe here that you've just you've just set me off there
1: <laughs> yeah and and that's not uncommon out here we have big ass spiders out here because there are so many bugs so we put down these little craps and i haven't seen a big spider around there since like the first year when we moved in we're very good at pest control there good to know <laughs> yeah it, it's there are all kinds of considerations just one thing i think in my mind when i'm doing this is if i were like going to eat off any of these surfaces would i be okay with it or would i go "Ooh, no that's like eating off the hood of your car after you've been through a mud storm you don't want to have that latter impulse. You want to have the former of, yeah, I could, I could probably eat a slice of birthday cake off that, and not mm-hmm. care. New fetishes formed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, cleaning. Uh, so storage. Yes, storage. That's a big one. I mean, obviously, we talked before about trunks. You can like get old um, storage trunks, which give that sort of old world money masculine feel. You can get, um, like, oak trunks. Again, same thing. Dark wood works well with it. Um, We've had gym lockers. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, We didn't... Oh, no, you did talk about the ammunition cases.
1: I did. I didn't talk so much about military totes, though. -hmm. Um, I do have at least one of those in the Mm -hmm. garage. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned this on a previous podcast, but this, you know past christmas um a friend of mine in leather community passed and i inherited just about all his gear and it it was a lot of gear to take in and process and clean and sort and you know eventually i was like this is a lot more stuff than i owned before this is like maybe double the size of my collection how am i going to stash all of the stuff i've inherited even after the things we gave away or or donated to other friends? And the answer was, number one, I got a military tote, put like sleep sacks of varying kinds in, some hoods, and I tucked it in behind where I have that tattoo table that I use. Mm -hmm. And it keeps things nice and out of the way, stored. It's reasonably moisture tight. I do not store all of my gear in the garage. Most of it lives upstairs in my bedroom. But there are certain things that are intended for use in the playroom, and if I keep them down there, they are sealed in, like, moisture-tight, airtight containers. And military totes are great for that, because the last thing you want are wet bullets and guns. So yes. That works. And then the other thing I use is, is this company that sounds like it should be kinky, but it isn't, and that's Rubbermaid. Um, honestly, Rubbermaid kind of missed their opportunity with their name. They... <laughs> They make all kinds of rolling plastic drawers, and my late friend was really into ass play. He has toys in his collection that friends of ours who are into fisting look at and go, ooh, I don't know about that. Um, (laughs) It's it's monumental. So I actually had to get a set of Rubbermaid rolling drawers, which I lined with towels to sort of like help keep away moisture and Mm -hmm. keep things separated so that silicone toys aren't touching and damaging each other and that is one heavy Rubbermaid rolling set of drawers at this point but it does hold everything nicely and lets me move them around I'm actually thinking of getting more because the toys are so packed in there sometimes I'm like let's see drawer one here are two layers of dildos Uh, drawer number two here are two layers of dildos dildos. and number three a layer of dildos and a layer of chastity toys okay it's a lot of sorting going on in there I need more space
0: yeah yeah, oh, that's so that's, that's made. I'll have to remember that. Um, yeah, because one of the things is being able to organize your toys by type is very handy.
1: Yeah, I tend to keep them in separate drawers. Mm-hmm. Um, and the nice thing is when you close those plastic bin drawers, they're obviously not 100% air and watertight, but they're pretty damn water tight and so on. And when you put in like you know, a towel or something, if there are dildos in there, or even if you find another way, you, you have to be careful about silica gel packets because those are obviously not good for use on the body. But if you can yeah. keep like silica gel or something in some of those drawers, you can soak up some of the moisture and help keep humidity down. And of course, there are dehumidifiers too as an option.
0: Yeah, um, like a good storage option that helps you organize stuff. I don't know what they're called, but they're essentially those metal tool cases on caster wheels.
1: Yeah, that's like a mechanics uh, rolling set of of drawers. And I know friends who use those too. Those are fantastic, Mm -hmm. especially if you're into industrial scenes.
0: Yeah, they work with the setting. And again, they're a set of drawers so you can separate your items by type and keep things stored nicely away. Yeah, they're a good buy for like a play space. Oh, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Speaking of buys, um, let's quickly run through equipment.
1: Yeah. Oh, go on.
0: Like, I know everyone, whenever they're talking about, oh, one day we're going to have a play space, they pretty much list everything. And it's like, you're probably not going to have that big of a space. You're going to have to pick and choose what you're going to use.
1: Yeah, unless you're on Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, you're, you're probably going to have an average person dungeon and an average person dungeon. There are all kinds of things I would love. Do not get me wrong. I would love to have a giant ass dungeon bed in there. Um, Unfortunately, I don't even know I could fit one of those in my bedroom. I've been thinking about that recently, and I'm probably going to have to take out the ceiling fan to make it happen. Cool. Uh,
0: So, yeah, um, it's always good to like pick out one or two items that you know, you're going to use. Um, I actually heard something uh, a good piece of advice about buying kitchen equipment. Um, very rarely is it a good idea to buy a single use gadget, but either if you're going to invest in like a kitchen item, make sure it's an item you will either use every day if it's a single use item, or has multiple uses. and I think that applies very well to dungeon equipment as well.
1: It does. It does. Also, if you're not going to use it every day, and it's more of a unitasker, mm-hmm. because, like, there are only so many things you can do with a pup cage. You can put people in it. Uh, you can yeah. do things with them once they're in it, but you can put people in it. Um, what you can do is just get something that collapses down or mm-hmm. can be stored easily. And that also lets you sort of change up the lineup in your dungeon, which can be sort of a, a nice feature is to sort of keep things interesting.
0: yeah. It's like, I know a person, we keep going back to this, the scaffolding setup. Um, uh, I know a person who set it up so they can use it as a sling frame, but they can take the sling off and then use it as a bondage frame. And it's like multiple purposes for like a big bit of equipment.
1: Exactly. Same with the the weight rack I've got. You can Mm. use that for the suspension, as I've talked about. You can use it for the overhand bondage, like I've talked about. I'm kind of still trying to figure out how I might do an inverted suspension scene in that. I'm still working out some of the safety angles and heights. Fortunately, one of my favorite boys to play with in Torment is, is extremely short, which is <laughs> one of the hottest things about him. Um, and he is, you know, very much into suspension scenes. I'm kind of wondering if that would work. Um, you know, you you can do all kinds of stuff if you think about just attachment points and how much weight things can take rather than this is a suspension thing or this is a sling and we just use it for fucking there are all kinds of stuff you can do if you think about things in terms of just attachment and weight
0: yeah it's a good way to look at it and like st andrew's cross not only do you can use it for flogging you can use it for basic restraints for like If you want to have tip play or CBT, St. Andrew's crosses are great for that as well. And because St. Andrew's crosses are up against the wall, they tend not to use that much space comparatively.
1: Just make sure you anchor them or support them. Um, Mm -hmm. The $20 $20 one I bought did not have like a a kickstand out of the back or anything. I had to, in every case, sort of anchor it to something. (laughs) Otherwise, you don't want it to pitch forward. Um, That's... That's simultaneously an America's Funniest Home Videos moment and a rush to the ER.
0: Yes, yes. Because wood is heavy if it falls on you.
1: Surprisingly, yes. Yes.
0: Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's just about thinking about what you'll use most of all. I mean, I have, I know a couple where they invested in a VAC rack because it sounded very fun. But at the end of the day, they didn't use it because um, it was a pain to use. Like, this was quite an early model, and I think they've improved since then, but the setup, the way um, pers- getting a person in and out, um, they really didn't use it as much as they thought they would. So I think it's important of- to no, just, like, of-
1: go ahead. You first. I was going to say, there's a lot of cleanup associated with that, too. We were just mm. talking about latex, walls, this, that, and the other. You have to care for them, because one of the things I got in my late friend's collection was a vac rack. And he had not cared for it, as he should have, and the rubber had become just so over-corn-starched and under-cared for mm-hmm. that while I was trying to, like, figure out how to get the layers of it apart, because they were so stuck together, just one of the, the poles went trivially through the end of it and just punched right through the rubber. It becomes so dry. yeah, So that's a high maintenance item too it's got to be stored right cared for right or it's an expensive investment that'll just be wasted
0: again but like if that is your thing and that cracks are what really get you off and you can be assured you will use it like quite often you know do invest in it but just be sure you're going to use it first
1: oh yeah and then cages, um, not all cages are created equal. Mm-hmm. Uh, some are taller and intended to keep someone standing. Some are smaller and intended to keep them crouching or balled up. And some of them are meant for dogs. and Some of them are meant for people. Mm-hmm. When you get a cage, think about, because it's, it's an expensive investment. If you go with welded steel, right? Think about how you would use it the most. Don't just go, well, any cage in a storm. If you get one that's meant for people to stand But you're primarily into puppy play You're not going to get as much use out of it Whereas if you get one that's more for puppy play scenes And you have folks who want to be Sort of standing in that Maybe even you know try to find some way To combine a sleep sack with standing in that You're not going to get as much bang for your buck Out of the other cage Think about Mm -hmm. morphology is the best way I could put it The shape of things
0: Oh yeah Um, Like again You kind of have to Uh, adapt to the space you are given.
2: It's like, yeah.
0: If it's a wide open space, fine. If it's a narrow corridor style space, you're going to have to take that into consideration as well. Tell you what is a good um, bit of equipment that's homemade. So uh, my friends Dart and Bart, they have um, what they call the bondage box. And they're quite famous for it. Like people always want to have a go in it where it's like this box built with um, a seat inside. And you can hook up like butt plugs, add electro and that sort of thing to it. But it locks shut. So the person is just a head, like only their head is outside the box.
1: I've seen that. They're kind of modeled after in the 50s, I think it was in America. There were these weird individual sauna things. Yes, where just one your person head saunas. Stick- yeah yeah they look just like that,
0: yeah, and like that proved to be a very popular bit of kit, but it was all homemade,
1: and it's sometimes the best things are the ones you cobble together yourself if you're handy, and I am not um then it's a great thing to do like carpentry work or you know I know guys who are welders, they weld their own cages. hats off to you love world for doing that, but in my case, it's mostly improvisation so that's still a kind of DIY. i putting mm-hmm. it together but th- the fact is that yeah there's a lot of great pre-made stuff but the best stuff is the stuff you always make to your own needs and tailor to your own tastes
0: oh yeah it, it's definitely worth investing the time if you can try and make something yourself
1: oh yeah so and then of course cheap standard eyelet screws put them into you know areas that are load bearing and so on i have one that i use for uh cuffing up boys to a pillar that's in my garage and i use that for flogging scenes packs and other stuff
0: yeah i mean just going around your local hardware store like in england it's like being queued just um just seeing what's available in the aisles can give you a lot of ideas
1: oh yeah Mm -hmm. it's practically a porno scene waiting to happen in and of itself
0: oh yeah so just to go through the concerns because that's the last thing on our list we've pretty much covered them like previously like heating make sure it's a good heated space because most people are going to be naked at some point in theirs um so have it heated ventilated you don't want mold and mildew over your play space as you're playing in it um one thing is neighbors You need to consider how insulated it is.
1: Yeah. And also, uh, you need to consider how close it is to your front door, Mm -hmm. because our garage is rather close to the front door. So when someone rings the doorbell, you know, there's only so much I can do to insulate that space. It's kind of like whatever I'm doing, I just sort of pause and hold my breath for a moment and go, please let that not be the neighbor's kid.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, there are things you can do to increase um, noise insulation. Um, there are like the foam tiles. Um, you can, a lot of podcasters get them for their personal office space if they're working from home. where They're literally the sort of um, foam you find in recording booths, but you can buy them as tiles to stick on the walls. And they okay. do cut down on the sound quite a bit.
1: It, it does. It, in the case of a garage, there's only going to be so much you can insulate on the door itself mm-hmm. because it's so thin and there are some gaps you can't close. But the other advantage to the garage is, honestly, you know, unless someone is up on our property for some specific purpose of talking to us, not mm-hmm. a lot of people get close enough to it to, to know. We're at the top of a, a small hill, um, and so we don't get a lot of, of randos in front of our door.
0: I mean, just a little uh, tale from one of my friends where they basically have a sling. They've turned one of their bedrooms into a play space and they basically have a sling and a fucking machine. Um, But they got a complaint from the neighbours because they also... It's a terraced house, which I know is a lot more common in, like, Europe than it is in America. So they had a shared wall with the neighbours. And at 1 a.m., Um, my friend was having a go on the fucking machine in the sling and people were going like I don't know what you're doing but whatever motor you're running at 1am please don't do it again
1: oof yeah I I had a similar complaint uh, but not about bondage stuff we do have condos and stuff that Mm -hmm. share a wall ironically for years in that place I had like eyelets uh, in the ceiling in my condo in Dallas so I could have a sling Mm -hmm. over the bed and other stuff, and, you know, yank clothespins off of my buddy Daryl's nuts, and had him scream at the top of his lungs. Never a complaint about that. But the wall for, like, my office, where I would play Warcraft 3 late at night, and it would make that level-up noise with the... That is what my neighbor complained about in the end. And I was (laughs) like, that, that is where you draw the line, is that I'm leveling up my night elves at, like, 10 o'clock at night, not the screaming. (laughs) Okay
0: well i mean sc- things like screaming uh, i think people's embarrassment kind of covers you there
1: you know it that's it was a different story for me because i was in the gay ghetto so i actually ran into that same neighbor at the baths once butt naked in a towel so that, wasn't, <laughs> that his biggest concern was he wasn't attracted to me in the slightest and he walked the other way but um feeling was mutual Mm-hmm. But uh, in the gay ghetto, it's a very different story, and that's, that's an experience. I'm I'm sorry that a lot of of younger gay folks growing up are not going to have, um, because there's just something great about the fact that you know your neighbors on both sides are gay. You know, you can walk yeah. to the bars from your house. That that gets rid of that embarrassment thing, and then maybe that's why he complained about Warcraft three late at night and not the screaming is he's like, well, I can tell what you're doing in there, but what the fuck are you doing in your office that late at night? (laughs) Sounds like tension.
0: (laughs) Nice. So I think that covers everything.
1: Yeah. We even covered entrances, uh, entrances too. uh, make sure you've got, uh, you know, the right ones that folks do the, uh, walk of shame, the way you want them to do it and Mm -hmm. not the way you don't want them to do it. in full view of the neighbors.
0: (laughs) So, yeah i hope you've enjoyed listening i hope we've given you a lot of good ideas and got your brain working because at the end of the day play spaces are spaces for you to express yourself and this aspect of yourself you can do whatever you want with them and you can be as creative as you like with them and i just wanted to see if we could like spark some ideas in people
1: do you think we should have uh, folks email in some of their uh, pictures of their own dungeons?
0: yes please Email in or post to our Twitter or our Mastodon um, just to show off your dungeon. That would be fantastic. I would love to see them.
1: And if anyone's curious about mine, there are some pictures. Admittedly, they're pre-pandemic. So I've done mm-hmm. some updates since then on my recon pros, uh, profile. Uh, just look for Arzer. Mm -hmm. a-r-z-h-u-r and you'll be able to see in my garage dungeon gallery all the sort of pictures of the the space and some of the various lighting options and so on
0: fantastic no so i am really looking forward to seeing what people have done with their spaces cool um so until next time i hope you've enjoyed listening
2: and everyone play safe